Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor, FightfulWrestling.com. It is July 13th, but by the time this is off, it'll be July 14th. We're here to talk about all elite wrestling's fight for the fallen, but we also have uh, UFC Sacramento results up. Uriah Faber made a return. Jermaine Durandamy, big finish. We have Evolved 10th Anniversary results up as well. But I am joined today by a guy you all can see every single week on FightfulSelect.com, our premium service. He reviews 205 Live, NXT, and NXT UK. He does retro reviews. He is dead. Warren Hayes, how you doing? I'm not... I'm not dead. I'm I'm alive. The 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 rumors like of the song uh, by the Newsboys. Warren's you, not dead. He's surely alive. Like the movie with Kevin Sorbo. Is is okay. <laughs> you know the uh, atheist uh, per- propaganda movie. Uh sorry. I, I see. I watch the I, trailer. I, I guess I stick a little too much to gospel music. I guess must be. We're also joined by a man who is not here every week, nor is he here every month or every quarter. Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, how are you? Not anymore, at least. I used to be here every week. Uh, <laughs> and I do wish Warren was dead so we can know. My <laughs> God! That's okay. That's okay, because he, <laughs> he knows recently I ha- made substantial changes to my will under duress. Mm-hmm. So he knows He knows what, He knows. knows what he's getting. Exactly. Give me the money. Guys, reminder, if you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. I have all kinds of news. Uh, if you all wondered where Alexa Bliss has been in the last week, I had it up there. You wondered where Roman Reigns has been. I had that up there uh, a couple weeks ago as well. Uh, some Performance Center news, lots of cool stuff, lots of podcasts. It's a good time, but let's talk about this AEW show. Reminder, guys, we will be here every single week. I don't know what the lineup will be at that point, but every single week the AEW is on, we will be there as well. I will also be in Chicago for All Out. Lots of stuff going on there, but uh, this fight for the Fallen show is the next one. It's it's weird, guys. We're at a position. I think maybe September might not have an AEW event technically, but like every single month from Double or Nothing on, almost is like there's an AEW show, and it felt like we were talking about it for so long, or what what was going to happen for so long. It's weird that it's actually going to happen, and now we're at a point where likely. Possibly, there will never be a, like a five-week period without an AEW show ever again. We're going to be talking about AEW pretty regularly from here on out. Uh, Jeff, in totality, how did you think this followed up what they did at Fighter Fest? I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good show overall in terms of wrestling. I, I m- most of my issues are with production. Warren, your take? 
Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I, I think overall it was okay. Um, I, you know, I think it was just a little. Uh, the show in itself was fine. I think the anticipation for Fighter Fest was a little, uh, a little more up there. You know, you had the John Moxley factor that uh, that was a big deal for Fighter Fest. There were no matches here that you know. Uh, that resonated that I feel that mm-hmm. were, that was like, this is what I'm tuning in for. I was personally excited to see Omega versus Shima and, and thank, thank God I was here to, to, to see that. But you know, there was nothing in the, uh, that made this show have a, have a special feel to it that made it uh, absolutely must watch. Agreed. Well, Sunny Kiss defeated Peter Avalon to kick this thing off. We, the librarian gimmick, Jeff to you, how how is this coming across? Is it like get the hell off my TV, or is it this gimmick sucks, or is it legitimate heat? Because it, for the, for better or for worse, the crowd is reacting to this now, even when Avalon came out later in the night. But how how are you taking this? I literally almost didn't buy the first show because of this gimmick. Oh, um, really? No, really. I, I watched this. I went. It's 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 the WWE light stuff that killed impact for me and other organizations who have tried to do it. I, I just, for me, I, and I know from the company, they don't view their pre-shows as hard sells. They just kind of view it as kind of lighthearted fun. And then it builds to more serious stuff towards later in the night. But uh, no, I, I absolutely loved everything about this librarian gimmick. Um, but I thought Peter Avalon was the stronger half of this match tonight. Reminder, guys, if you all want to submit a super chat, you can get your question or statement read on the air. Kristen Ashley says Hawkins was never in the will anyway. <laughs> also a reminder, subscribe to Fightful Select. I'm doing a Q&A show this week. Ask as many questions as you want. Uh, the gimmick has heat, for better or for worse. I don't know what that means at this point. but It has uh, go-away heat. Yeah, but I mean... I'm confused by it because, like, the crowd will chant, they'll, they'll like start shushing Avalon when he runs out later on. It's you know what it is. It's it's one of these gimmicks that's so bad it's going to become ironically good. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Well, uh, Sunny Kiss comes out with Jaguars cheerleaders. I thought that was a nice entrance for him. Early on, he got started a little bit slow. I thought some of his stuff wasn't quite laid in there, but uh, the crowd loves him. They just love him and. I think if AEW does anything different, they need to change so many of the standard wrestling tropes, Warren, like stupid babyface syndrome, which we saw <laughs> over and over on this show. And let's be real. There were a lot of things we saw over and over on this show. It seemed like whoever's agenting these matches didn't have conversations with one another very yeah, often. Yeah. And, and even within some matches, but I agree, you know, and it's something that I, you know, it infuriates us enough when, it, you know, in, in WWE, you know, Seth Rollins being uh, these days top stupid baby face uh, as far as his decision making goes. You know, it, it would be it would be nice to have a bit of a, a, a bit of a change here. But, um, you know, as far as the first match went with with Sonny Kiss, you know, at least if you're if you're starting off the evening. Yeah, your baby faces can be a little, a little, a little on the dumb side, you know, to sort of get the the crowd into it. But uh, yeah, at some point you just have to smarten them up. I think that that Sunny Kiss's offense really came on towards the second half of this match. I don't like the split leg drop as a finish, especially when he did an exploder right before that that looked way better. Uh, 
Kiss Sunny Kiss is probably going to be really good for AEW, Jeff. But what did you think of this match? Yeah, I thought Peter Avalon was the stronger half of this match, as I said. He's good, um, too. He's very he, good. He's very, he's very good. He's a local guy from around here in SoCal. And was um, is very instrumental, underrated in EC3 being what he is today. Mm-hmm. He was a big part of getting EC3 over. Yeah, um, but but I agree. They're they're gonna they're gonna push Sunny Kiss for a while, and um, he has he has potential. Yes. Uh, live chat. Put your dicks up. Stop measuring them. This is not an Evolve versus AEW live stream. This is us talking about AEW. We'll cover Evolve in due time. Uh, Warren, any thoughts on the uh, Sunny Kiss Peter Avalon match? Um, Sunny Kiss needs to tone down the number of times that he does the splits in the in the ring because uh, if he wants to keep his split legged splash, let's call it that, uh, he really has to uh, do the. Uh, he has to save the, the 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 splits for his finisher. And uh, for a librarian, I thought Peter Avalon's entrance here was a was a little ostentatious. <laughs> <laughs> Shoko Nakajima and Dia Priestley <laughs> defeated Riho and Britt Baker. Uh, Britt Baker, when she comes out, always looks like such a star. Same could be said for Bia in, in her. Really, honestly, I thought everybody's entrance made them look like a star, except for maybe Riho, who gets over in the ring and, and doing what she does in there. Uh, Nakajima is going to get over in the States, I think, if her work is stiff and good because she's very character driven as well i gotta ask though guys and man i hate it because Britt baker is such a sweetheart jeff she tagged the wrong japanese girl yeah let's see let's see how you tackle this one jeff i i hated it Did, (laughs) did you see what nyla rose said no, I didn't say it. What? She said, maybe you should have studied to be an optometrist, dumbass. <laughs> I, like I said, I hate it. Fewer people in wrestling nicer than Britt Baker, but damn. Two, two women that she doesn't normally work with, both shorter, both dressed in white. It, it's been known to have. I, I thought B. Priestley um, had a rough night of it as well. So, I mean, it, it, it wasn't even the most uh, glaring problem to me. But, yeah, that... that uh, yeah, that that's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> although you can, although you can, you can play it off by saying, "Look, she's been getting flipped around and turned inside out. She doesn't know what corners what." I mean, I, I would have tried to cover that on on commentary a little bit. I think they did a little bit. I think they did. Uh, this seemed like a vehicle to get Nakajima and be a Priestly over Warren, but coming out of this match, I thought they had a really good post match angle. But within the match. Riho really, really got the crowd cooking. That yeah. was special. I, and, I like that. And it was it was really towards the, the the latter part of the match, which happened that the match really took off after Britt and B had their had their stare down. That's when everything started started to get clicking because that my entire problem with this match was that, or at least like for the first two thirds of the match, nothing seemed to gel. It felt like no. uh, everyone was. Uh, 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 off each other's pacing, um, and I mean there were there were moments that was, was just plain old sloppy. Was it because of the humidity? Because apparently it was very very hot. I don't know, you know, or maybe it's just because you know you have two two women who are, who aren't used to well, at least Britt Baker is not used to working with uh, two uh, two of those women there. I don't know, it, but I, this match to me just felt really really weak. 
I think that the highlights of this match will tell a way different story than the actual match did. If you watched like a highlight reel of this, you'd go, wow, that was pretty good. But it was, it was there. There was a lot of stuff that was not good. Jeff, that strike trade that (laughs) Riho and Nakajima had, I don't know what they were doing. Like they were waiting on each other. They weren't selling. They were completely out of range. They were, like softballing it, it was. It looked bad, man. This was a problem I brought up um, after the first pay per view. Is that the women's division has two distinctive styles within it? It has the more Americanized style, which you have with the Britt Bakers and the Nyla Roses, and when she did, you know, all in Tessa Blanchard types who are there. And then you have the Joshi style, and mixing them together. The, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a contrast not only of characters but of styles and a presentation and I don't think they yet have how they're gonna present this as a united no. women's division yet. And I agree. And I mean, you know, just by you know, if you go to the other promotion, you know, when they brought Oscar in, when they brought Kyrie in, brought them into NXT, took the time to uh, to change their style, you know, in the performance center and have them take the you know adapt. I take the time to adapt. And I don't think this is the case right now with AEW and that, that just that, um, that clash of techniques is going to continue giving things like, like we saw tonight. Well, let me tell you, if anybody's qualified to speak on Joshi wrestling, it is I. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> there were also some bad spots with Nakajima hitting at six, one, nine, that lariat that she threw, above her own head. I'm like, what's going on here? Riho waited around on those strikes, but the crowd popped huge for Bia versus Britt, both during the match and after the match. Uh, Fortunately, Baker didn't look like she got hurt with this botched spot off the top rope. Uh, Riho hit a beautiful Northern Light suplex. uh, Just really, really good. Nakajima wins with a Hurricanrana, and there was some weird closed captioning issue (laughs) that plagued this miserable but uh, that post-match angle is really good be a priestly Britt baker have to be pulled apart i love it it was simple i don't know how often you can go to stuff like this so you kind of got to save it hopefully they've they've got plenty of these natural uh competition type of things saved up that way they can seamlessly transition i'll tell you go ahead i I was gonna say i still think kylie ray is the person they should be building around versus Britt baker Hasn't Agreed. tweeted, hasn't posted, and hasn't wrestled in over a month. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Sean Spears, MJF, and Sammy Guevara defeated Darby Allen, Joey Janela, and Jimmy Havoc. I liked this for a lot of reasons. I love now, – now, what I don't necessarily love is the championship committee put it together, but I don't know who else would. But oh, I re- loved that. Are you well, kidding me? To me, it, it it reminds me so much of Mike Tanay saying that every single week on TNA. Okay. That, that's the only reason. Otherwise, I'm like, okay, but who the fuck are the championship committee? Is it Tony Khan? Is it Cody? Because if so, what a dick, Cody. This is the generational gap between you and I because I'd much rather have the unknown championship committee than, than on-screen uh, – you know, general manager type. I would too. I would too, but I'll tell you what I don't want. I don't want championship committee referred to every single week. Okay. Every single week. Uh, I would, I would like an off screen authority figure, but it not to be necessarily held onto too much. If it's referenced here and there and we understand, okay, that's why they do these things. 
because they want to create some drama. They want to create some of this stuff. I'm okay with that. I just, what I don't want is the Mike Tanay thing where it's every single week. And then like him and Don West get into a five minute conversation during a match about this championship committee. And then they reveal it to be Eric Watts. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Sean Spears is now the chairman. What do you think of that gimmick, Warren? Uh, Why not? That makes absolute sense. The only thing I didn't that didn't make sense to me is didn't Jr. meet with him earlier this week? Like, didn't Jr. at some point it was put out on Twitter that he was supposed to have a sit down with Sean Spears to discuss the chair shot, and then Jr. sees him come out and is like, "Well, look at this young man coming out," and oh, apparently he's the chairman now. What a what a surprise! I'm like, Jr., you could at least like tell us, you know, continue continue on this. The 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 storyline that you had to meet with him because you're in t- you're in charge of talent relations, and to tell us what happened, what what went on with the meeting. Not like, well, this young man, uh, you know, he he did some bad nasty things. Like Jesus, come on. So if, I, it, if it means I get L.A. Park versus Sean Spears at some point, I'm down with that. I like that Sammy had to play the go between, and MJF and Sean wouldn't tag each other at first. I like that. And and like you said, Jeff, I, I the idea of a championship committee better than a GM getting involved all the time. So I like that. And I like the random matchups. I like mixing and matching that. I would like to see heels and baby faces team together. Often. I, I would love that. Uh, Janela suplexes Sammy into the corner. Uh, Spears tags in and Darby wants him for what happened after their match. Huge pop, but Spears tags out. Six really solid characters that are all shining pretty well and getting good reactions. But uh, Spears tags himself in. Uh, him and MJF will cost each other moves and accidentally hit each other. And that allows Havoc to superplex Sammy off of them, which I thought was a cool spot. But there, like S- Sean Spears had done like a handful of moves and had three future matches set up. That's pretty impressive considering that He's got more feuds going in his first two and a half AEW appearances than his entire main roster WWE career. Warren, what what do you make of the use of Sean Spears? Because everybody kind of surmised that he would be here, but I think thus far he's he's delivered beyond expectations. I feel I I feel like if I had a little more time on my hands, I would open up uh, the advanced Twitter search. And I would go back to the period when uh, when Sean Spears was announced that it, that he had been signed to AEW, and I would like to find everyone who tweeted saying that he'll never be an upper mid an upper card guy. He's a people actually tweeting out the good hand thing. You know, I would like to find each and every one of these people and say, ah, ha, ha, look here, look at how so just some smart, well placed booking will do to create some credibility. Now, one thing I didn't like, though, I didn't I didn't understand the psychology of this match because MJF and uh, and uh, uh, Spears were on the same team, and I'm going to tell you guys why. At the start of the show, during the during the buy-in, I should say, Cody Rhodes was with uh, Dustin, and they were saying they were ta- talking up the match, and he said, "Look, one of the things I'm looking forward to tonight is beating the the Young Bucks. I'm paraphrasing, beating the Young Bucks, then picking one of them up and saying, you know what, good match.'" I'm getting paid more than you tonight. 
he brought that up. Cody brought the fact up that the winner gets a winner's purse. Now, yeah. if I'm MJF, right, the character that we know as MJF, the guy who unplugs reporters' microphones, right, that guy, <laughs> he would not do anything to sabotage a bigger purse, he would just either not show up in the match or he wouldn't put the, he wouldn't be dicking around like he did in this context. And it bugged me throughout the whole match. And he was having this back and forth, especially since he's positioning himself as Cody's best friend, you know, that, that really, it it bothered me. That's the only reason because he's Cody's best friend was the only reason that I was like, okay, that's why he would do it because he was more concerned with, what was going on there. But yeah, I definitely see your point. And I like that they bring that up because subconsciously I can tell you that matches like this already as of right now mean more to me than a lot of matches on Raw and SmackDown do because they have established winning and losing matters. Now, also what they seem to have established for the first three shows is there's a lot of 50-50ing going on. And I'm not necessarily hot on that because if wins and losses matter, but everybody's like 50-50, I'm not not too not too great, uh, Jeff. I want to know what you thought of Joey Janela hitting a Death Valley driver on the apron, looking at the camera and saying, <laughs> "Fuck you, Jim Cornette." <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, J- Jim Cornette has it has a Jim Ross problem in that uh, you know he's he's a little bit long for this business. Um, yeah, no, I like that. I actually liked the dynamic of MJF. Uh, Sean Spears and uh, Sammy Guevara. I love Sammy Guevara as a heel, kind of a cocksure Tom Cruise type, because it's an old bad guy trope type thing. You have mm-hmm. the leader, you have the leader who's kind of the cocksure professional. You have the madman, and you have the kid, and it, it's it, it's 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 in almost every kind of hero bad guy type of movie and comic book. I, I thought of like a few comic book examples and stuff that issues I read where I remember that type of stuff. So I, and, and then it all breaks down for the bad guys cause they can't get along and the kid doesn't know anything. So I, I, I liked that a lot. And then between Alan uh, Janela and uh, Jimmy Havoc, they're all three madmen. So, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I absolutely love them paired as a team as well. I liked this match a lot. I really did. And I thought Sean, and I like that Sean Spears is being built up as a villain to eventually get elevated so he can get beat. I think they have to do some better job agenting these matches. You had a Death Valley driver on the apron immediately followed by Sean Spears doing that as his finish. Mm-hmm. Man. And then in the following match, Allie did one. Whew. Yeah. Can't do that. Uh, Sean Spears gets the win. I like that, especially over Darby Allen. Uh, Darby Allen is kind of perceived as on the level, but man, these people, everybody in this match was over big time. Characters are over on this lower to mid card. If you have yeah. a distinct personality or a distinct gimmick, you're over. Warren, any thoughts on this as we wrap that one up? Um, Jim Ross couldn't call Anushi Garoshi. All right, this is the time to do this now. <laughs> okay. Jim, Jim Ross and Alex Marvez need to be taken off this broadcast team before they go to television. Yeah. Jim Ross can be recast as an in-studio guy, as a 
as a Gordon Soley type from back in the day when they throw to him and he can give history and stuff like that. Marvez should probably have Jen Sturger's job or Jen, uh, wh- whatever her Decker, her, la- her married last name. Now she wasn't even seen on the last two hours of this show. Um, but Marvez should- Alicia Tal wasn't on these either. And that's the thing. Don't they have her too? Uh, they did, but I don't think they have her anymore. Um, huh. But I I think Marvez can be the perfect straight man because he's a former journalist. Put him back there and then get somebody with some energy and some life into this product who can hang with Excalibur as a play-by-play guy. Because JR, is his, his, his drawl and his, his loathing of modern wrestling is killing these broadcasts, in my opinion. I have all the respect in the world for what JR has done in the business, but this is a new federation. They need a distinct voice for AEW, and Jim Ross is not it at this time. JR even buried the Dark Order when they won the match. He said, well, there were a couple of mishaps, and they looked a little rusty to me, but they got the job done. You're like, Jesus Christ. And as far as Marvez goes... He is a fantastic PR guy. Every yeah. time he had to spiel uh, the, uh, the the upcoming shows, uh, Ireland, UK, watch us on fight, whatever he had to do, uh, our great collaboration with uh, so on and so forth. He was fantastic at it. He's a great PR guy. Just get him off commentary. And I, this was the concern from the first press conference when you saw him. You were like, how is this going to translate? How is this going to translate? I mean, at the very least, he needs to be getting reps in on internet-only matches or whatever the hell they can get him to do. Young Bucks addressed how much people hated the librarian gimmick on BTE, and they've stuck with it. Uh, They have stuck with the Dark Order, even though it was a fart noise, the the first two uh, shows. Here is Marvez, and it's a show right after Golden Boy, did amazing on commentary. Just bam, showed up and was awesome. There are a plethora of really good commentators out there. I mentioned three of them. Todd Kinley, Tyler Valls, uh, Sarah Shockey. Bam, right there, just out there. I I don't get it. And I, somebody always says, oh, well, what did you expect out of Jim Ross? Well, I'll tell you what I expected. Him to at least try to live up to most lucrative announcing contract ever first off i don't know why the hell you would announce that if you're aew what the hell does that have to do with anything most lucrative contract does that make you look good does it make you look like you have money is that why they're doing it i don't know but man excalibur and golden boy knocked it out of the park last go around and it was not hot this time now i get it they want people to change the channel to TNT, hear a familiar voice, and be like, wow, maybe I'll stick around for that. But this wasn't it. This Tony was. Sh- T- Tony Schiavone is better than JR at this point. Yeah. Well, t- <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Tony Schiavone's pretty solid these days. Also, Tony Schiavone found his wheelhouse, and that's just being Tony Schiavone as opposed mm-hmm. to being announcer pretending to be whatever it is. But really, the uh, one thing Jr. is missing is any sense of energy and build in these matches. He's just—he's just not bringing anything. He seems like he's evaluating the talent rather than calling their matches. Yep. I, yeah, that's solid. Brandy Rhodes defeated Ali. Uh, somebody need to do evaluate this goddamn match. Oh, man, I got worked. 
I got worked by that Brandy Rhodes promo. I did. I was, oh, we all like, did. I was like, oh, that's a pretty good promo right there. It's kind of strong. And then, you know, and then Kong comes out. I was like, oh, good tip of the cap to you guys. I got worked. Yeah. Oh, Brandy's, I think Brandy's a great promo. I think Brandy's actually, I think she's good at her AEW job. I think she's a fantastic character. I think she is one of the best managers, valets out there. She is exceptional in that role. Inside the ring, I would not say the same about any of that. Uh, she shook Allie's hand. Awesome Kong's music hits. Okay. This is this is about the extent of what I want out of Awesome Kong, which is her standing at ringside threatening to hit people. Uh, there are moves like her, like Brandy's shuffle sidekick, the German suplex. I think that's what that was. Those need to be saved for practice sessions or live events or something that isn't when a camera is on. Those were bad. These two were a step off of one another the whole way. You could tell Brandy hadn't worked all year. In great shape, looked like a star, but not the, the moves were not there. Kong saves Brandy from getting pinned. Allie was pissed. Another Death Valley driver. Then stupid baby face syndrome continues. Mm-hmm. Allie's tapping out Brandy with a dragon sleeper, but Kong distracts and Brandy wins with a terrible spear. Warren, yeah. uh, th- Warren, this was better than the AWA Super Clash Three Battle Royal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I he well he's right. I mean, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I thought look, I thought um, I thought Ali pulled her weight here. I think she did what what she could do. Uh, and uh, you know, during the sequence where she did get her offense in, it, I, you know, I she she delivered. Um, I, I like the story that they told where awesome, awesome Kong just had Ali completely distracted. Um, but uh, no, this wasn't, uh, this wasn't great. And, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I chatted with people online, you know, who were all very excited at the prospect. Yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> you have friends. <laughs> well, wishers. And Hello they, zombies. Uh, <laughs> mourners. <laughs> oh god and and the discussion that you know the idea going around uh saying that uh, well you know at least they're giving the women time here in wwe they don't give them the time to give them like five minutes seven minutes here they get like 10 15 and like you can have one with the other you know it's not just because you have spaghetti and sometimes you don't have sauce that when you have sauce you're like well at least i have sauce this time it's just like you can have both. And if you're going to give 10 minutes for a match, well, hopefully the match will hold up because otherwise you you might as well just keep them short and sweet. Well, if you're dealing with short and sweet and your spaghetti noodles a little limp, but you're still trying mm-hmm. to give somebody the sauce, Edge. why don't you book yourself for a super dick party? By going to BlueChew.com and using that code FIGHTFUL. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. They'll get your dick hard way faster at a better price and more convenient. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work way faster than the pill so you can be ready whenever you're ready. Whenever you need to be ready. Maybe you're going over time. You can put that work in. Prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No in-person doctor's visit. No waiting at the pharmacy. No more awkwardness. Whether you're tagging the right uh, teammate, opponent, whatever it may be, 
Blue Chew's got you covered, my friends. Why don't you go to bluechew.com, use that code Fightful. You get it for free. Just pay $5 shipping. And you can hit them up at Blue Chew. Let them know you heard about them from us. Remember, if you want an erect penis, go to bluechew.com. Use that code Fightful. Uh, Joseph Farley, thank you for the super chat. He says, just paying to make up for the demonetization. That will eventually happen. <laughs> uh, we have David saying, I hate to say this, but JR seems to be getting worse instead of improving. The interactions <laughs> between the three of them can be distracting at times. Yes. Was the show too long? I think it was. We will get into that. Anthony, thank you. JR didn't well, even know to throw to the main event video package. What are we doing now? Yes. Rob Wilkins says, I would take Helen Keller in her prime over Marvez. I would take Helen Keller out of her prime over Marvez. Don't Um, knock Helen Keller. She might be a hell of a commentator. Yeah. John Oliver, not that one, says, just let the venue for Fight for the Following. Crowd was amazing. Show was fun live. Haven't been in that type of atmosphere for a while. And that itself was worth every penny. I want to ask you about that, Jeff. What do you think of the venue? I thought it looked awesome. Loved the venue, loved the look of it, loved the amphitheater kind of setup where you, you know, as opposed to tarping off one half of the stadium, you don't have to do that because it's just the half of the stadium that's watching the show. I thought it was a great setup. I love it. And it's a venue that they can return to probably as often as they choose. You like the elevated ramp a little bit more than I do because I remember remember 92 WCW with guys doing bumps off that thing. And I just, I cringe. Well, I mean... The only reason I like it is because I've jumped over top ropes before, and I like the fall to a ramp a lot more than I like the fall to That's a floor. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and I, I know what people can and can't do there. Like, when I saw Cody jumping over that top rope, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, Aja Kong versus Awesome Kong. Somebody said to me, wow, it's like a car crash spe- spectacle. And I'm like, yeah, if the cars are moving five miles an hour, it's a bumper car spectacle. This match does nothing for me, Jeff. Does it for you? Aja Kong was one of the best women in the world in 1991 and 92 around that time. Awesome Kong was one of the best women in the world around 2010, maybe 2008, 2007, a little earlier. I can't remember my timelines here, but her matches with Gail Kim and Hamada are some of my favorites and Mm -hmm. got me into TNA quite a bit. This thing is going to be bumper cars in slow motion if you're talking car crashes. Aja Kong didn't really bring all that much in that six-woman tag on the last show. Awesome Kong hasn't wrestled regularly in years. She was and she kind wasn't of good after- in 2016. Yeah, she was an afterthought uh, in the four-way. That you know, so I think I think I think we're prisoners of the moment, and we're we're dealing with nostalgia on how good this is, but. Uh, could over deliver i just i just would not say it's going to be one of the greatest matches ever uh warren i can tell you that a an aja kong spinning back fist made me make sure to watch raw every single week in 1995 when i saw it and aja kong save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at menards we offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 
in 2019 makes me not want to watch the show. Hey, you know what? Probably in the uh, 90 in the 90s and early 2000s you t- you tuned into Raw to watch a lot of Undertaker striking too. This yeah, is essential true. this is essentially it. This is the AEW Women's Division version of Undertaker versus Goldberg right here. For a shot at a bye in the tag team tourney, <laughs> Dark Order beat it, beat Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, as well as Angelico and Jack Evans. I had not got to see a lot of Stu Grayson in the past. God damn, is he good. Uh, he has a quality that I really point out of Tessa Blanchard's an awful lot. He always looks like he is trying to win a match. Every single thing he does, it looks like he wants to win something. And I can't wait to see the stuff that he's going to do. Jungle Boy is so good, so quick, so agile, effortless. He is going to play the Spike Dudley only good role uh, very, very well. Uh, I'm really confused by the build of Evil Uno because he was this, like, I don't know, dark overlord type of thing. And then he gets in there and he's like, ah, peace out. I'm going to cower to the outside. Uh you get him in there next to Luchasaurus, and Luchasaurus just towers over him. Warren, I love this match. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to try to condense it. I thought Luchasaurus and Stu Grayson stole this match, but um, they got something special in quite a few of these ingredients, I think, Warren. I uh, wasn't super familiar with the Dark Order bef- uh, uh, until this week. Fucking casual. Yeah, that that's me. But I, I I I made up for it. I asked for some match suggestions. Your your boy Jeff here even uh, tossed a couple a uh, couple of matches over my way to watch, to take a look at the the guys previously known as the Super Smash Bros. Uh, and they are fantastic. And I was looking at them wrestle, watching their matches with the Young Bucks, and I I was telling myself. AEW just needs to let these guys wrestle. They just need to let them wrestle. Never mind the goofy gimmick. Never mind the weird, cringy uh, atmosphere that they're trying to create around them. Just let them do what they have to do in the ring. That's what I was most looking forward to tonight. Uh, And we didn't quite get it. The matches I saw this week were fabulous. We, we, We saw a lot of SSB signature offense but we didn't see like the, the total package. As far as Luchasaurus goes, I am stunned at how over this guy is, but he is fantastic. His in-ring work just speaks for itself, but it's really impressive at how into him the audience is. Jeff, isn't it wild to think WWE could probably have Luchasaurus if not for Bill DeMott? <laughs> yes. Uh, what did the Super Smash Brothers in were uh, visa issues because I saw them in PWG quite a bit, and then um, uh, Grayson had issues, and then eventually I think Uno also had issues. Uh, don't sleep on Uno; he's he's far better than his body might uh, might indicate. Sure. Um, there's a match with Mark Andrews and Bola from like four years ago. That's fantastic. Um, My problem is with the gimmick. That gimmick, yeah. the way it's been portrayed, is shit yeah I, I i can see your hesitancy on that um marco stunt's gonna be the spike dudley guy in this yeah. uh jungle boy is gonna be a star and that's what yes, luchasaurus and marco are gonna be here for as he eventually grows out of the jungle boy gimmick and goes to something a little bit more mature um 
but that but, but, I mean, when when you saw Luchasaurus getting the type of reaction that. that he did, yeah, I never expected that. I, I didn't. I mean, the early stuff I had seen of him wasn't very good, but once he was in that battle royal, I was just like, oh wow, okay, yeah. he, something has clicked in there. And Jack Evans is a is a prince among men. I don't care what I love Jack Evans. I love his cockiness. He has great comedic timing, and he helped put over Luchasaurus like a madman. So. I, I will not hear of any criticisms of Jack Evans. Either. Oh, he, Alico, he got me into non WWE wrestling, and like he was the first thing that made me check out Ring of Honor. And Helico um, needs to be a little bit more motivated, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love me some Jack Evans. I enjoyed this match for what it was. I enjoyed the spots, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm this Luchasaurus Jungle Boy Marco stunt thing is working for me. Yeah, I, I'm liking that too. And hey, Luchasaurus is six foot five. He might as well be seven feet tall in AEW. Yeah. And, and I like that. Reset it. Make it a little more realistic. Uh, how many successful seven-foot-tall shoot fighters do you see? Because there ain't that many. Uh, I, I can deal with the Jack six-foot-five guy who can do a lot of stuff. If they want to make him like their Undertaker-esque character, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I like it. Marco Stunt came out, did a superhero can run. I wasn't in love with the ref just staring at it. But, hey, no DQ, so why not? Mm-hmm. Luchasaurus heaved him uh, onto Angelico. Luchasaurus just had that crazy series of spots with a spinning wheel kick, a moonsault. Uh, he and Jungle Boy took took Angelico and Evans out again. Whatever that finish, I assume, was going to be a finish between Ju- uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Shouldn't have e- either. It shouldn't have happened, or it shouldn't have been kicked out of. Because holy yeah, crap. Yeah, power bo- the powerbomb spot? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that should have been the finish. Wow. Now, I'm okay with them not winning because they should probably run, go to the finals or whatever it may be and be that babyface team. Loose. But uh, Dark Order, it, like people were like, oh, well, they're building to Dark Order and best friends. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But this feud has sucked ass. It's been real bad to the point to where – Chuck and Trent had to like joke about it after double or nothing at the scrum. Like it was so bad. Uh, Dark Order win. They're a good team. This gimmick, their story, their feud has been bad. So, hey, if I don't have to see them in a first round match in the, the tag team tournament, you know, that will bother me a little bit because I like their work. Their work is very good. All right. Explain this to me real quick. Now they fight best friends for the right to a buy in the tag team tournament, correct? Uh-huh. Okay. Shit doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Right. You got We're having their, a tournament within a tournament. Yes. Right? You're getting a play-in for a buy. Mm-hmm. So in reality, you have to win two matches to skip one. But granted... It's a it's varying degrees of stakes that I I don't know I admire what they're trying to do but it's kind of stupid, kind of stupid. Up next, Adam Hangman Page defeated Kip Sabian. <laughs> Warren, uh, this fan talking trash to Kip Sabian outside the ring. <laughs> the, the, the the guy who's always front row at full sail. Yeah. He got a nice pick on the mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I thought that was fantastic. That I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And it wouldn't be the last time we'd see him during the evening as well. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> John says, at first, the crowd hated Dark Order. But um, 
I can't really make out what he's saying there, but I'll still got him over. Stu got him over. Yes. Got him over. Damn right. And he was great. Um, we'll, we'll see about, about Uno in the future. I, I have faith in him. Kip Sabian and Adam Hangman Page had a pretty good one. Sabian with another strong performance. He's a guy who I think is going to be real good for them, especially as he comes into his own. He uh, gets used to this AEW style and all that. The crowd wasn't quite here for this one early on. Sabian kicked away at Page hard. This was slow, more slowly paced than I, I had expected. Sabian got busted open. This seemed like an ROH championship match to me, Jeff. That's that's how it seemed laid out at the beginning. And, and Sabian also seemed kind of on the level of, of Matt Taven as well to me. I I'm uh, I I liked his promo on the pre-show though. I liked Sabian's promo because he needs he needs some characterization in him in order to get over on this roster. Um, I did like the power bomb spot, cringed a bit uh, because of the ramp thing, but. Uh, you know how to land on that, Sean, so I assume they do too. Um, yeah, I thought this was a little longer than it needed to be, and I also I just didn't understand why Sabian at this point needed to be made that strong when you're trying to build up guys for your main event. Page the has knee- an in- yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say the knee story as, a, as an excuse isn't exactly working for me. And it doesn't make sense when he's doing goddamn moonsaults off the top mm-hmm. rope to the outside. That just makes him look stupid. stupid Not gutsy. Stupid yeah. babyface syndrome, basically. Uh, Warren, I had mentioned that ramp. Page hit like an awesome bomb to Sabian on the ramp. I loved Sabian's cell. He like twitched a little bit. Yeah, he, was sure. effective, he was effectively dead. I, like, I, 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 liked, I liked the way they built Sabian here. It kind of reminded me of what they did with Darby Allen and Cody a couple of uh, weeks ago, where, you know, you have, you have one guy going in. Look, I, let's be completely honest with, with each other, folks, everyone watching at home. There was no way Adam Page was not, was not losing this match. Like, there's, we all knew what was happening. There was no way Adam Page was not going to win this match. There you go. You prefer you that, go. Jeff? Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and um, like that was going to happen. So what are you going to do with Sabian? Uh, you know, I, they're not in a position to do squash matches. They're, uh, you know, they're because it, 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 they're still pay-per-views. They're big events. Mm-hmm. I like the way that they that they build them up as, a re, you know, the resilient kid that almost took Paige to the time limit. They were they were inching. Uh, they were within the last minute. Of uh, b- before reaching the the time limit draw, and Paige didn't know how to put him down. I th- I thought this was this was a step in the right direction. Yeah, but you have that on so many other characters. You have Jungle Boy, the resilient kid. You have Darby Allen, the resilient kid. You have Joey Janela, kind of the resilient kid. I I you know how many resilient kids can you have on a roster? Yeah, I agree. A uh, series, or uh, there's a, a great top rope neck breaker, but a series of pin attempts go into the dead eye and Paige wins. This is one of many matches that I didn't think needed to go as long as it did, and I think that collectively it hurt the show. Um, I'll I'll kind of break down each one briefly. Uh, the women's tag match didn't need to be 15 minutes, as good as uh, it could have been 10 minutes. The six-man tag, I thought, went about as long as it needed to be. Brandy and Allie should have been like five or six minutes at most. It went 11. Uh, the Dark Order, the three-way tag match there could have been a couple minutes shorter. This Adam Page-Kip Sabian match didn't need to be 19. No. 12 minutes, maybe. 11, 12. 
Uh, Lucha Brothers and SCU 15, I'm okay with that. Even Kenny Omega and Shima, as good as it was, could have been a little bit shorter. Young Bucks and the Rhodes did not need to go 31 minutes. There was a solid 35 minutes on this show that didn't need to be here and I think would have took this show from being a pretty good show to making it an incredible show, all things considered. Uh, After this match, we got plenty more to talk about because Paige comes out and gets the shit beaten out of him by Chris Jericho under a mask. And everybody knows it's Chris Jericho. Like this isn't one, this isn't like a Pentagon thing or a, uh, was it Ciclope uh, as, as uh, <laughs> D Malenko? Not one of those. Not the doink, the clown thing. Like he's run this, he and his programs have run this back an awful lot. Jericho whips his ass. Later on, Cummins cuts a promo, runs the whole roster down, goes, I thought, way too long on that promo, too. A good two or three minutes too long. Paige comes out and attacks him. You have all these people breaking it up. What did you think, Warren, of the post-match shenanigans, the promo later, the pull-apart? Um, I, I Look, I completely agree. It was too long. I thought the pull-apart was fun, especially since, um, you know, Paige didn't get entirely cleaned up. Someone backstage said, you know, he's going back out in a little bit. Let's let's keep it open. Let's leave. Let's leave. Let's leave the trickles there. And, and on top of that, he had a pretty decent uh pretty decent uh shiner that was pretty that was pretty good but um promo was too long uh jericho did as much as he could i think but i think it really would have benefited from being shorter but then again he did go after uh full sale front row guy again calling him fatso and then there's this incredible shot just shortly thereafter <laughs> of, of the They're guy pretty good so, at getting those those fan reaction shots like the mjf virgin comment last time yeah very good. Yes. <laughs> Jeff, any, any thoughts on all this? My favorite part of this is finding out afterwards that Jericho was out there with the Dark Order as well and stayed out there the entire time. Yeah. That's, com- that's commitment to character, guys. I like that. I do like that. Lucha Brothers defeated SCU. Uh, I like Aubrey Edwards refing this match. Uh, I like that they do that. They have the, the women ref or the, the female ref. Ref some of the men's matches. I like it. Uh, she throws Daniels out after he gets involved. Scorpio Sky capitalizes on this with a distraction, a big body press. Uh, this match was a bunch of spots to me, but some of them were very good. The best, I thought, was SCU going from outside the ring on the apron to the inside with that Tornado DDT. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a stomping package pile driver gets the win for Lucha Brothers. This is what the crowd wanted. They wanted a bunch of spots. They got a bunch of spots. And then afterwards, the Lucha Brothers attack SCU with a ladder and challenge Young Bucks for a match it all out. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on the match and the challenge? Liked the match a lot. I think there was probably a spot in there because it looked like uh, looked like uh, Phoenix got a little bit uh, frustrated at one point. when it, it kinda, They kind of lost their place, I think, in the middle. Something mm-hmm. happened there. There was some miscommunication there. Um, I could do I, – I, I thought the pace was great towards the end in the beginning the lucha brothers and especially pentagon we only need one sierra miro uh (laughs) we only need one of those he's been doing that thing with the pie facing he did that with the young bucks match on the last show as well and it's just become it's become a time waster of sorts and and especially doing it like three or four times a match he's very redundant to me yes 
yeah, it's become it's become very redundant to me as well. Um, but overall, I you know I, I love SCU, and uh, I, I thought I thought uh, I thought at the end it was a great run there, and I loved the finish. Yeah, the Pentagon's work. I mean, I'm not in love with it. I'm I'm not in love with it these days. It's a lot of thigh slapping, which I usually give a lot of room to. You know what it is? It's a guy who's found a way to work a lot of dates without doing a lot of uh, stuff in there. Yeah. And it is what it is. Uh, Warren, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I completely agree with with uh, with Jeff. I thought SCU uh, uh, personally, right now, uh, you know, I think SCU is um, is the glue is going to be the glue of their division as far as you know being able to move a team around from the upper echelon of the tag team division to the m- middle part. Uh, they are they're so good. They're so uh, they're so adaptable. They can do anything with anyone. They're fantastic. They can they can do the spot fest and they can give us a f- fantastic uh, wrestling match. You know, with uh, I don't want to say proper build because then people will come at me like, oh, the Lucha Bros can do proper build. Um, <laughs> but the, no, they're 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 really really good. And I myself am uh, the whole zero mirror thing. It's it it just kills the pace, and me it personally took me out of it. Kenny Omega defeated Shima. This is one of the slower paced matches of his that I've seen in a while. Omegas, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, Omega and Shima they can both work with anybody. Uh, I love the velocity and angle on that Snapdragon suplex. Holy crap! I really liked Shima just spamming the Meteora. That was kind of cool. A lot of times you see people go to a move one time. He was like, it's working. I'm going to do it 40 times. I'm going to do it off the stage. I'm going to do it off the top rope. I'm going to do it when he's on the ground. I'm going to do it every other time. Until he stops it, I'm going to keep doing it. I thought it's, it was great. It's Stan Hansen at the clothesline. How yeah. the hell is that? I'm just going to clothesline a guy. The Meteora guys until they stop it. Until I punch a guy in the face. And Omega oh, did wow. stop. And Omega did stop it at some point. He caught him midair. He he literally caught him in a package. I, I this I look. I'll let Sean do it, but I love this match. I did too. I see it as a great backstabber inside the ring and a good suplex outside. Uh, Omega found a home for a bunch of sick strikes, uh, but Shima's leg gives out, and it was the beginning of the end. Set up a V trigger and a one winged angel. This was good. Hard-hitting stuff, Warren. I was a big fan of this match. Really loved it. This wasn't like a big story match, per se. It was a competitive match in a company where we're told that winning and losing matters. Now, here's the thing. Omega recently lost, or he lost, what, at double or nothing, was it? And won tonight. Shima was, I think, the opposite. So we got more guys that are like one and one in singles action. I'm not in love with everybody doing that, but I was in love with the the actual bell to bell of this match. Yes, um, the the key word here was competitive. You got two guys who are on top of their games. Uh, dare we say legends? And I, I love the entire first half of this match where they were just laying into each other, uh, and they were countering out of each other's moves. They were uh, responding to each other's moves. It felt like they were um, like they were working on reflex, you know. Oh, he pulled this out. Well, shit, I got to pull something out. Boom! And I I really dug the pace. 
felt like Kenny Omega was, uh, fell back like into an old pair of shoes, you know? Oh, I get to work Japanese strong style again. I can, I can lay in, I can, uh, and I will be laid in as well. But, you know, it, 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 he felt comfortable, felt smooth, uh, man, that Meteora, the table that didn't give on the outside, that Dasha, timekeeper Dasha was. Man, that ta- that table had no give. It looked so vile. I I love this match from top to bottom. Best. How match about you, game. Jeff? I found the first half dull. Mm-hmm. I gotta be honest. I I I uh, I I was a little bit bored by it, and to the point where it became looking at the phone type of stuff. Uh, but that's me, and I'm I'm not the biggest Kenny Omega fan in the world. Um, I like him a lot, but I don't love him. Um, I was a little, little confused, and and this is probably my zoning out a bit. Was was with the leg story. I think they needed to put that over a bit when when Omega hit him in the back of the head with the V trigger. The camera missed the shot when Shima ran and the leg gave out. So it just looked yeah. like he was celebrating for a moment, and then all of a sudden he's just kind of kneeling. And I thought he was I thought he was gloating a bit, and then he got hit. I go, that makes no sense. And then now looking back on it, it's like, oh, his leg gave out. Now I understand that because because the run up to the finish there. If you don't know that his knee gave out on him on that last uh, on that last run, you don't understand how Kenny got the advantage and the camera missing that shot really hurt the last stretch of this match. But I liked the last stretch of this match a lot. But um, yeah, I found I thought it dry. I thought about five minutes could have been cut off this match. As is tradition on this show, it just happened over and over again. Uh, speaking of, Young Bucks defeated the Rhodes Brothers. If this were a 20-minute match, goddamn, I bet I would be raving about it. Yep. This was slow-paced. And boy, you want to talk about bad, the disjointed, weird commentary transition. I believe it's our main event. Uh, yeah. Is that what we're doing? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, well. Let's go. Fuck. Okay. So Cody and Nick had a pretty good series. Bucks took control, mocked Cody. Uh, This match was a lot like the Omega-Shima match was for Jeff for me. It was just dull for like the first 10 minutes. Wasn't for me. Jeff? Yeah, I... Okay, I understood what they're trying to do here. It's just the, the problem is... An NWA 1987 style tag team match cannot follow a Japanese strong style match like that as a main event because the crowd is a little burned out and they want they want to build the finish and they know this is the main event. There were a lot of problems with this match. People don't want to boo the Young Bucks and Cody and, and Dustin were not the white meat baby faces they needed to be. What this was was Arn and Ole versus the Rock and Roll Express from 1987, except the Andersons are baby faces working on the arm, and then the hot tag comes to the heel Rock and Roll Express. This match, logically, the crowd couldn't get into it because it made little sense in, in the vernacular of a traditional professional wrestling match that you're watching. They need to put the Bucks over more as heels in the beginning, maybe stomping a guy, maybe hurting Dustin a bit for some sympathy, you know, really going all out in the beginning until they come back and they can be measured with the working on the arm stuff. Cause working on the arm stuff 
That's a heel move. That's not a baby face type of situation unless you're doing it high energy with a lot of tags. So I thought there was a lot of disjointed stuff within I mean, this match. Dustin's 50. Do some really athletic shit, then make fun of him for being old or something. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to do, like you said, do the Rock and Roll Express style, be a total dick about it. Yeah. Be a total dick about the fact well, about the idea that D- that Dustin can't, and then maybe Dustin. Yeah, you can't keep up with that. You can't keep up with us, old man. We're quicker than you. Look at this, you know. And, and then thing. Dustin pulls out a code red, and he's like, "All right, piss off, mate." Yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you, you get that working. I I agree with you. Now, to some degree, I I understand and agree with what AEW is doing, where they're trying to shift the paradigm and the sense of traditional baby faces and heels. But sometimes you just need that. And I think for a main event like this, you kind of needed that. The The Young Bucks needed to be more dickish. Mm-hmm. Um, Warren, at, was there a point in this match that got you into it? Did it ever get in that second gear? Or were you that way all, all along? There was <clears throat> this one section, but this is typical of me and Young Bucks matches. When, when Nick Jackson sort of turns it up. There was one point where he just started laying in some offense and it woke everyone up. It even woke people up in the audience. And uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I thought it just droned off. And I had, um, there were people on my timeline who were tweeting from the show who were saying, Hey, don't know how it's coming across on, on television. But right now the audience is like really, really dead for this match. You know, I was like, hopefully it's coming across louder. I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's pretty flat right now. So uh, Matt impressively got Dustin up for the tombstone. Couldn't believe that. I was like, damn, that's kind of cool. Cody stopping the Meltzer driver. Very cool. Um, I didn't like that Matt and Nick had to wait on Dustin for that body press and just hold each other. That was a bummer. Uh, the assisted crossroads looks really good. Nick broke it up with uh, a big swanton. That was very cool. Rick Knox frustrates me as a ref. And it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Tell me more. There are no rules in his matches, these tag team <laughs> matches. And it's not his fault. But he does the double count. And I'm yeah, just that- like, man, and I get it. You got three three EVPs in the ring. What are you going to do? Say, no, guys, we need some decorum here. It ain't his fault. I think that's pure where Rick Knox is working from Lucha Underground to PWG to, I believe he was also, um, you know, NWA Hollywood, but don't quote me on that. But man, yeah, no, he, he works in a lot of companies where tag team quote unquote rules are a bit slack. And if they were going to do this, I would just rather than make it a tornado tag. That way it doesn't make Rick look bad. Exactly. You're correct. That, that. That's the thing. Just make it a tornado tag. That's okay. But don't make the ref look bad and don't make him look bad show after show after show for not enforcing the rules. Uh, Bucks take out Cody with a couple of super kicks and then the Bucks and the Rhodes steal each other's moves. There was also an assisted crossroads. Warren, I thought towards the end of the match, this really, really picked up. Then the Young Bucks finished Cody with a Meltzer driver. What do you think about their... Uh, the decision for them to win and how this all came together. Well, the, the appropriate team uh, was victorious in this contest. 
that uh, <laughs> that just again, you know, it sort of uh, it sort of happened. You know, it's just. I I had difficulty getting into the match because there there was just really nothing to it. I didn't buy into the uh, to the good old fashioned ribbing that they were doing during the BTE episodes. You know, or you know, at least that they had elevated it to a level of ridiculousness. It's like you know, we have to determine who are the best brothers. You know, kind of things like you know, we're the best brothers. No, we're the best brothers and. Just bring it to a, a, a schoolyard level. That would have probably added in, brought in um, a, a level of interest, at least on my end. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean the Bucks, the Bucks winning is the smartest thing to do. You know, the Lucha Brothers uh, challenge them to a match at all out. That's going to be a big deal. It's going to be an upper card match for the AAA championships. I mean, you know, you have them go in looking strong. It's it's questionable. What I'm wondering more than anything else right now, because I was actually expecting someone to turn on someone at this point. I thought, I thought Dustin was was going to he was going to turn on Cody or something. You know, what what are they going? What what are what's the plan with Cody at this point? You know, Cody's been doing a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of this. What's the plan going forward? It will probably all come clear once October runs around and uh, and the deal with TNT is, uh, has us in a, uh, has us enter uh, a, a weekly episodic uh, formula where we'll, then we'll see how things go. But as it stands right now, Cody is sort of like, well, I'll insert myself into this match. We'll do this with Darby Allen and so on and so forth. I don't know. It's a bit all over the place for me right now, but they still have time to grow. Can I be the person to say that that promo on the ladder about the ladder match challenging the Bucks absolutely telegraphed the finish to this match? So I was already ahead of everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And hey, uh, I do, I also don't need fifty fucking Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks matches either. I don't need that. Um, afterwards, there was the rah rah promo that you usually get. Uh, they reveal that they're donating one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to uh, the victims of gun violence. It did seem weird. They didn't like plug anything all night long, like for donations and stuff. That was weird. Yeah. Also, the you know they gotta stop bringing up WWE all the goddamn time. Gotten to all the time, and I get it. WWE one hundred percent counter program them. There is no other way around it. WWE did not just decide, hey, we're gonna throw up the Evolve tenth anniversary. Uh, on the same night at the same time for the first time ever. Oh, by the way, here's Matt Riddle, Drew Gulak, Tazawa, uh, Johnny Gargano, Paul Heyman, and Adam Cole, uh, just out of coincidence. They did it. It's well within their right to do that. I think a lot of people uh, didn't like that because of the theme of this show, but Vince McMahon doesn't care if Jesus Christ comes from the heavens and returns, he's counter-programming that if it's on an AEW show. He does not care. I don't know how much he even had to do with this. Vince McMahon may not have a goddamn clue what Evolve is, much less that it's on his network on Saturday night. But they it, it did happen. They did counter-program. A lot of people liked Evolve. It had some really good stuff on it. I, I also watched it. Um, but they don't always have to bring it up. Uh, Warren, any final thoughts on this uh, AEW Fight for the Fallen show? 
uh, <clears throat> if they if they fix their commentary uh, table issue first and foremost, I think that's going to go a long way on making the shows more dynamic. Uh, especially if they do want to run with more with longer matches, you're going to need a commentary team that will be able to keep up the level of energy that your audience needs to to do that. And they also need to work on their finishes, the, the, the endings of their events, because I don't think there has been one one single, aside maybe from All In last year, but that wasn't officially AEW, there hasn't been one conclusion to an event that has been nice and tight and not cringe, basically. Hmm. Jeff? Agree about the com- agree about the commentary. Agree about man. They need to tighten this ship, and they need to be a little bit less self congratulatory at times. To me, I, I, I think they need. Uh, you know how they say in, in the playoffs that the series doesn't start until you've beaten the other team at, at their place. Yeah, it's, it's not a war until AEW beats WWE one week in ratings. So stop acting like you've you've won something already, and uh, and really work for it. Because I, I that there are. There are some signs of complacency because they have this big backing and they have this deal that they've already made it. And I get a little bit worried about that. Yeah. Well, I'll be self-congratulatory. Visit FightfulWrestling.com. We had exclusives this week. Kip Sabian interview. Uh, we had some more information on WWE, Paul Heyman's role. Uh, we had uh, exclusives on TJP. We had exclusives on Randy Orton's injury status. Alexa Bliss is a lot of neat stuff over there. Go check it out. As always, you can support Fightful directly by subscribing to FightfulSelect.com. Follow Jeff at CrapGame13. Follow Warren Hayes at Mr. Warren Hayes. You can get all of their pertinent info there. But leave us a thumbs up, guys. Until next time, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.